0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100, best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: If you're going to assume anything at all, you need to assume there are multiple problems to discover. The seller's not going to come to you with a list of issues and problems and say, hey, you better think about these things that could cause you an issue when you're buying this property.
0: Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, got two questions for you. And this is for my fix and flippers out there. One, are your financing costs eating away your bottom line? And two, Are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by reducing your loan payments to the bank or private lender? Of course you are, right? You're always looking to maximize the potential of your deal. So here's a solution. We got a solution for you through the crowdfunding platform, Patch of Land. If you're a loyal Best Ever listener, you know Patch of Land. They've been on the show many times. They've sponsored the show many times. They're back for more because they love you. They want to help you out. They want to add value to your life. And here's how they're going to do it. They have a solution to your financing issue of financing costs eating away from your bottom line, and they want to help you reduce your loan payment to the bank. So here we go. Patch of Land offers a fix and flip loan program that only charges interest on the funds that have been dispersed as opposed to the traditional model of lenders charging interest on the whole loan amount at the beginning. You save a lot of money this way, and it can be misleading when you get your terms quoted to you by the lender at a particular rate if they charge all of the interest up front versus upon distribution. Patch of Land's got a document that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper to educate yourself on questions you should ask the lender. Regardless if you go with Patch of Land, you've got to get this document to educate yourself on the questions to ask your lender to make sure you're getting the best financing terms. The documents at patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. That's patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Patch of Land, they can close in as little as seven days and they can help you through this program, save thousands of dollars on your deals, make more money and uh, have a better business and grow your fix and flip business. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Brian Hennessy. How you doing, Brian?
1: Really good. Thanks very much for having me, Joe.
0: Well, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. I read one of your two books, The Due Diligence Handbook for Commercial Real Estate, and I reached out to my team and I said, let's bring Brian on. This is some good stuff. A little bit about Brian. He's a Senior VP of Avison Young Intelligence Real Estate Solutions. You need an acronym for that. That's a mouthful. Prior to working there, he served as the Senior Vice at Collier's International for five years. He's been in commercial real estate for over 30, and he's got a new book that is out. It's How to Add Value for Commercial Real Estate, based in Los Angeles. With that being said, Brian, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
1: Absolutely. I am an investment broker with Avis Young, based here in Los Angeles. But over my career, I've done a number of positions in the commercial real estate industry including being a syndicator and an acquisition person for an investor where I purchased properties all over the U.S., over 9 million square feet just with him. And that's where I really got to learn the due diligence end of the business is when we were buying so much property so quickly that we really had to be on our A-game because we just had a small group that we worked with when we were purchasing these assets. So really required me to be very scrutinizing. And actually, let me tell you a brief story how it happened. I ended up first couple of transactions that I did. I made so many mistakes. And even though I had been in the business for 18 years, I thought, oh, this is a natural slide. Well, I had never been a buyer of large commercial properties before and that's when i decided i better start creating a reference manual for myself so i don't have to reinvent the wheel every time because there were so many things to remember so that's how my reference manual came about and then when i decided to get back into the brokerage end of the business again i said well what am i going to do to differentiate myself so i decided to take my reference manual and create an investor handbook that i could use as a marketing piece and I actually put it up on Amazon, just never thinking it would ever sell one copy because I wouldn't even spend the $150 to format it because I figured, why I do it? It's never going to sell anything. And I ended up just handing it out to people as I spoke with them. But what, much to my surprise, is the book started selling. So I decided to take it a little more seriously, create a professionally designed cover and format it and put it out there. And that's when it took off and I'm still... Shocked today that it's been a number one bestseller on Amazon for real estate books. But it also tells me, as I'm going out speaking to people, that it's a very critical component that people are missing when they're investing in real estate. So I go out there and try to tell people you really want to have a proven system to do this because there's just way too many things to remember. And things will just slip through the cracks because having an adhering to a proven system allows you to conduct the due diligence faster, easier, more efficiently, and you're less likely to miss something.
0: Mm -hmm. Speaking of missing something, what are some due diligence items that tend to be overlooked if you don't have a system?
1: Well, in my talks, I talk about the mistakes a lot of investors make and we can talk about those if you like.
0: Yes, please.
1: First mistake I see a lot of investors make is really not valuing the property correctly. And what I mean by that is they go out and they will negotiate a deal with a seller and then find out later, whoa, whoa I'm really overpaying. Or maybe they don't find that out until they go to put a loan on it. And I tell people, you really need to do your homework first. So, Make sure you're checking all sale comps and other available properties on the market. We've checked a few things out and everything's working out okay, but that's not always the case. Segwaying from that is not understanding your lender's underwriting requirements. Ah, yes. What happens is a lot of people will say, okay, I made this deal on this property, whether it be some units or a commercial piece or whatever it is, and they'll go in and the lender will say, well, we can't lend this kind of money that you're looking to get. Well, what I tell people is before you spend a lot of time, money and energy on conducting due diligence, you want to have those preliminary discussions with some lenders about the amount of the loan you're considering to put on there. Otherwise, you could be spinning your wheels out there, which you don't want to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Great
1: point. Another one I tell people to do is check to see if the property complies with all the current municipal building codes. That's just a quick trip down to the city building department, but you don't want to get into the due diligence of it and overlook that part because if you're going to be doing some work, it could trigger some compliance issues, which could cost a lot of money. And that's where I see people getting tripped up. It's like, I didn't, know it was going to cost me this much money if I was going to do this. And it's like, well, if you would have made a trip down to the city, you might've found out. So I told people just make that part of your routine when you're conducting due diligence, because Mm -hmm. there may be some issues coming up where you need to comply in the future that could affect the property you're looking at.
0: What specific department do you go to? And then what questions do you specifically ask?
1: Usually the planning department will send you down. They'll say, Let's look up the property on the computer here and see what's going on with it. Okay. Sometimes they'll say, oh, there is an issue outstanding here that it's not compliant with this code. So you need to make sure they've been sent a notice. And I'll say, can I get a copy of that notice? And which I will. And they'll say, are there any future code compliance issues coming up that I need to be concerned about regarding this property? Oh, there might be a sprinkler retrofit or something of that nature. So these are the things that I want to find out.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, that's great. Great stuff. Another mistake I
1: see is a lot of people assume there's no issues with any of the tenants' leases. And these are tripwires that can be avoided if you're scrutinizing the leases carefully. What I mean by that specifically is... If it's a commercial building, you want to look to see if there are any termination provisions, contraction provisions, are there any caps on operating expenses? Do they have unlimited use of the HVAC, the heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, or, or electricity that the landlord's responsible for? Issues that are going to affect the value of the property. A perfect example of that might be maybe they have an option, but it's at a fixed rent they get another five, ten years that they can exercise that option at, that's going to affect the value of the property. So make sure you're scrutinizing the leases carefully. Go through the tenant correspondence files. If you're going to a property management company, or if it's the owner of a property, can I see your correspondence file with your tenants? Why? Because it's going to have valuable information in there. If it's a multi-tenant property, then you're going to see correspondence in there that's going to tell you a lot about what the issues have been. Hey, the windows are leaking. Hey, the roof is leaking. Hey, the air conditioner is not working properly or whatever the case may be. Hey, we had another break in. These are all red flags that are popping up and you're saying, wow, I better find out more
0: about this. Mm -hmm. Do you have a team that does it third party team usually, or I know you're not doing it right now in your role, but would you do it personally if you were in that situation?
1: Yes, I would. And you can hire outside third parties to do it. Very expensive. Personally, I like to do it because I'm looking at it much more subjectively because I, I'm the one that's going to inherit the problems when I own the property. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Joe, you know, I do do it as a broker. I'll ask my clients and the ones that know me usually say, that'd be great. I'd love to have your help on this. The ones that don't, and for your broker's listeners out there that are in the brokerage on the business, I'd shoot a quick email off to your clients and say, since we're in escrow now, I'd love to help you with your due diligence. Please let me know and we can go through the list of things that we want to accomplish. And if they turn you down, at least you have documentation that you've tried to help them. Mm-hmm. But that brings me to another point I would have your listeners pay special attention to, and that's, communicate everything through email. That doesn't mean to say you can't talk on the phone, but you have a written paper trail on an email. If somebody says, oh, I'm going to get you the backup information on that request you just gave. Hey, can I get the paid invoices on that tenant improvement job that you did or the paid leasing commissions? And they'll say, yeah, I'm going to get that to you. Let me dig that up and send it over. Well, if they don't get it over, now you've got a running list of the things you asked for. What I see people do is they get involved in these transactions and they're so busy and they've got so many things coming at them that they can't possibly remember everything they asked, right? Yes. Do it in an email. You can go back and say, oh, yeah, last Tuesday I asked for this. I never got it. You could forward that on. Hey, as per our conversation last Tuesday, you're supposed to get this to me. And if they don't, what's happened to me before is I'll get towards the end of my due diligence period. And say, well, if I'm not going to get it by tomorrow, then I'm going to assume I'm going to get a credit for that amount at the close of escrow. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, (laughs) you know, oh, well. You start getting the stuff, huh? Right. You start getting that, well, here's what's going on. We've got a dispute on this. And now all of a sudden you've uncovered the real problem. But what happens is if you're not paying attention to it, guess what? It's going to slip through the cracks. And then once you've closed escrow, it's much more difficult.
0: Oh, forget about it.
1: Yeah it's much more difficult. So I tell people just send off the emails, easier to keep track of. And worst case scenario is if you don't get it and you forget it, but you've asked for it, you've got something to bring to court, which I hope you don't have to do, but sometimes you do.
0: Mm -hmm. Have you had to do
1: that? Yes. As a matter of fact, what happened? Essentially, we were told that A certain tenant was to have paid a bounce owed and when, in fact, they didn't, and we let it slip through the cracks, and then we went back. And what happened was, with one letter to our attorney and the backup emails, what have you, we were able to get a settlement from them. Mm -hmm. But you try to avoid that as much as possible. Absolutely. Everyone loses. Yeah, exactly. It's just more brain damage that it's worth. So that if you do your due diligence properly up front, you're going to minimize this. Warren Buffett said risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. Okay. When you have done proper due diligence, what happens is you're minimizing that risk and you're able to make those decisions whether to move forward on an investment or not based on your investigation.
0: One item that resonated with me because it recently happened to me is number two, not understanding your lender's underwriting requirements. Well, we understood the underwriting requirements. Let's see. This was about three days ago. We got our appraisal back and all the third-party reports for an apartment community we're buying and we're getting a loan with Fannie Mae and they have a shorter effective, useful life on certain CapEx items, meaning that those items have to be replaced more frequently over the term of the loan, which increased the replacement reserves from $246 a unit to $263 a unit. And we pushed back as much as we could, but that's the lowest that they would do the reserves. So it's just stuff like that where you'll want to... I mean, I'm not sure if, if we would have asked those questions ahead of time, if that would have... Net it out or if, if, I mean, we just have to go through the underwriting process, but that's a prime example of asking in advance just to make sure that everything is coming in where you think it should come in.
1: Sure. Another thing that you triggered a thought of mine was another mistake I see people make is letting the appraisal process go on autopilot. Mm. That's a dangerous thing. You're just basically throwing the dice and hoping it all works out, especially in today's lending climate. I'll give you an example. Every time that I am involved with the transaction, I always ask the lender, I'd like to meet the appraiser out at the property. And when I go there, I have all of the sale comps, all the lease comps, if that's applicable, anything that's going to positively put the property in a positive light. I went through an interesting transaction recently where we sold a small building to one of my clients and they brought it to me and said, here's a building we're really interested in. And I said, it's very pricey. And they said, but it's perfect for us. We don't care. If we don't get this building, we're going to lose some business because we don't have a place to take care of it at. So contacted the broker. He said, well, it just fell out of escrow and this is the price. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) But They submitted it to the lender, and the lender said, well, we'll get the appraiser out there. She said, I just want you to know something. This is the fourth time we've seen a contract on it going into escrow Mm. as an appraised out. (laughs) So I said, uh, I can understand why. Well, my clients really want the property. I'm going to go out there. I want to meet the appraiser. So I went out there. I had a book for this appraiser and I said here's all the sale comps we had to go further out here's all the lease comps here's why we believe the property is worth this amount of money and he was shaking his head said well I'm going to have a tough time with this I said but look this is what's going on in the area this area is improving here's what's going on here's who's moved in here's what's happening here in the near future here and I stayed with him. I said, it's all right if I call you in the next couple of days? Yeah, call them a couple days later. You got everything you need. I think I'm getting there. Okay, I'll give you a call in a day or so. Called him back. He said, you know what? I'm there. I got it. We'll take care of it. And we got it appraised. Had hmm. I not done that though, I can tell you right now, it would have never appraised out. And what I've done with other properties, I'll go back and say, by the way, did you know that this lease proposal was just accepted? and they're going to leases on this, and we're going to be reducing the expenses, and this is how that's going to work. And when you start giving them the information to help them put that into perspective to get to the number you need to get to, you're making their job much easier. And the chances of you getting the loan amount that you need to get go way up. So I tell people, do not let it go on autopilot. Be proactive with your appraisal process and your odds of getting the loan you need to get are much higher.
0: Mm, Great advice. And thank you for that. Based on your experience as a real estate investor, you've got three decades under your belt in real estate. What is your best real estate investing advice ever?
1: I'm going to give you my best real estate investing advice. And that would be assume nothing. If you're going to assume anything at all, you need to assume there are multiple problems to discover the seller's not going to come to you with a list of issues and problems and say, Hey, you better think about these things that could cause you an issue when you're buying this property. It's up to you to discover what those problems are. And you'll also, you have the potential of coming up with some hidden value enhancers to increase the property value as well. So I would say if you get nothing out of this is assume nothing. Everybody That wants to really do a good job and due diligence needs to assume there's issues there
0: that they need to uncover. Ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got the document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Ready to enter the minds of successful entrepreneurs and millionaires? Are you ready to excel in your entrepreneurial and investing journey? The new podcast, Before the Millions, studies phenomenal entrepreneurs and their path to millions. Journey through exclusive interviews, giving you all the secrets to mimic their successes. Listen and subscribe to Before the Millions podcast at BeforeTheMillions.com. That's BeforeTheMillions.com. Best ever book you've read? Best ever book
1: I read as it pertains to real estate, I'm <laughs> <laughs> sure. I think Frank Gallinelli's book, What Every Real Estate Investor Needs to Know About Cash Flow, is one of the best ones I've ever read.
0: Best ever deal you've done?
1: We did a portfolio sale with Equity Office that was a big one, four big buildings in Dallas that was about 1.8 million square feet. And I thought those were great values and was exciting to work on because we had to do so much in so little time that I felt like it required so much focus and attention that I really had to be on my A-game for that. And once you get through something like that, it kind of stretches your mind to the point where you think you can pretty much handle anything that's
0: thrown at you. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Oh, gosh. I've made a lot of mistakes on transactions.
1: Ditto. And that's how the book Due Diligence Handbook for Commercial Real Estate came about because I was making so many mistakes. I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. It's like a pilot's checklist. You know, you mm-hmm. want to go through it and make sure that you can't possibly remember everything. So you want to be able to go through and check them off as you're going. I guess. Would you say what's the worst mistake I ever made? Is was that the question?
0: Just any mistake you've made on a transaction that you can think of.
1: The mistakes are. I assume people were. Given me good information when they weren't. Uh And I assumed that a seller would not ever do a thing that they said they wouldn't do, and then they did it. So it really, it's not, I want to say it makes you jaded. It just makes you cautious. So I tell people, it's okay to make mistakes, by the way. That's how human beings learn by trial and error. But you try to minimize it as much as possible.
0: Mm -hmm. What's the best ever way you like to give back?
1: The way I like to give back? I love talking to people about my experience in investing in real estate and doing due diligence. What I find, it's very gratifying, is that people, when I give a talk or I get emails or calls from people that say, thank you so much for sharing your information, really saved me a lot of money and headaches and time and really appreciate you sharing the information. That, to me, is very gratifying, and, and that's what keeps me going. Once in a while, I get an email from somebody that says, oh my gosh, I learned so much and thank you so much. It really saved me. And I was like, wow, that's great. I love getting that. That's probably why you love doing the podcast too, right? Yep,
0: absolutely. Many reasons why I love doing the podcast. That's one of them. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you?
1: They can go to my website, impactcoachingsystems.com or reach me at brian at com. Also, I would highly recommend they get the due diligence handbook for commercial real estate on Amazon because they will not just read it once and put it away. Every time you do a transaction, you'll pull it out. The reason I know that is I do that. A lot of people tell me they do that. And it's because, like I mentioned before, it's a checklist and you want to be able to go through the checklist. I still use it every time I do a transaction. And then in the How to Add Value Handbook for Commercial Real Estate, I talk about all the different ways that you can create value with your commercial real estate investments.
0: Really enjoyed our conversation, especially since I've read your book, The Due Diligence Handbook for Commercial Real Estate. And that's why I wanted you to be on the show because of so much value that's in the book. So highly recommend getting the book number one. Number two, thanks for taking us through that list of six mistakes a lot of investors make in the due diligence process. Number one, not valuing the property correctly. Two, not understanding your lender's underwriting requirements. I gave a specific example of that that I recently experienced. Three, going up to the planning department and not confirming the building codes are in compliance. So you should confirm that the building codes are in compliance. And anything that you need to be concerned about in the future, for example, you gave the sprinkler example. Number four, any issues with the tenant leases, make sure that's resolved. Five, get things in email. Sometimes we don't so that we can prove if we need to in a court of law that it transpired. And six, some people let the appraisal process go on autopilot. Don't do that. I love the story that you provided as evidence. Thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks so much. I really appreciate you inviting me on. I enjoyed it immensely.
0: Ready to enter the minds of successful entrepreneurs and millionaires? Are you ready to excel in your entrepreneurial and investing journey? The new podcast, Before the Millions, studies phenomenal entrepreneurs and their path to millions. Journey through exclusive interviews, giving you all the secrets to mimic their successes. Listen and subscribe to Before the Millions podcast at beforethemillions.com that's before the